Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. You bet $1 on any game, you get 200 free. We're back to talk about the Premier League this weekend, 10 games coming our way. Then we'll do a little jaunt around Europe. We'll give out our favorite underdogs, and then at the very end, give out our best bets in this match week for the Premier League. But we have to start in North London where BJ's Arsenal take on Anthony's Liverpool Arsenal's plus 150 at home uh Liverpool plus 155 the draw here is plus 260 those odds of course provided by bet 365 Anthony we'll start with you here your other team Tottenham your second team they close plus 270 on the road against Arsenal Liverpool's plus 155 at I think right away that's telling you that there might be a little bit of value here on Arsenal. Uh, I, I'm looking that way. I can hear arguments otherwise. What do you have here? I think it's very hard to make the case. You know, and I went back and forth on this and, and friend of the pod, Brody Miller was like, how are we not taking Arsenal? And my first glance when I looked at the line was from a buy low and sell high point of view, how are you not buying low on Liverpool and selling high on Arsenal? I mean, Liverpool have looked shaky. They just drew Brighton. Arsenal get the big win in the Derby against Spurs. Now there's a natural letdown. But what's the argument that Liverpool, as currently constructed, is better than Arsenal? It's an entirely a priors argument to make that right. case. And it depends on when you set those priors. Because if you go back to the last two months of last season, Arsenal and Liverpool were comparable teams. If you go to the first two months now of this season, Arsenal has a better expected goal difference than Liverpool through the first eight matches of the season. If you look at their schedules, they're very comparable. Both teams played United. Liverpool, you know, both teams losing to United, but Liverpool didn't, you know, they didn't have to play Spurs. So there's a maybe a scheduling advantage, I'd argue, that Arsenal have played a slightly, slightly tougher schedule. Arsenal haven't played Brighton, of course, but uh, other than that, you know, from a number point of view, I'm pretty close. And I actually... I'm very close to showing value on Arsenal here because yeah. I've bumped them considerably and I know BJ refuses to do so, but uh, I think that uh, we're baking a little bit too much of our priors of the first half of last season now into our data. If we're saying that these two teams are even at Arsenal. I was shocked. I thought like you, I mean, and, and I haven't bet on Liverpool in a very long time just because of how good they've been and the, the prices have been so out of control uh, before looking at the odds at bet three, six, five, I thought, you know, I, I I'm, going to have to swallow it here and probably bet Liverpool, especially if they're around the number that or you know, close to the number that Tottenham closed. And I looked at the number and this one just doesn't make sense to me. And, and BJ, I don't understand, you know, you're an Arsenal supporter. Anthony and I are over here and he's a Liverpool supporter. I'm an Everton fan. So I'm a little biased here, but I don't understand yeah. how you're not jumping in with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's Anthony's point. It's priors, right? Because what you have to ask yourself, okay, is Liverpool significantly worse? Not, not significantly worse, but are they a big time step down from the magical run last season? I would say yes and no. I think they've gone through some some struggles. You know, Thiago being out for a long time kind of messes with the numbers for Liverpool, especially defensively. He's been back. I thought it was interesting. Klopp switched to a four-two-three-one against Rangers in the Champions League, and just to get four attackers on the field. You know, if he plays something like that, I think that gives Liverpool a little more structure and a little more attacking threat. What's interesting is, you know, the match towards the second half of last season, it was a midweek one. It was a makeup match. I believe it was on a Wednesday. Liverpool won that match 2-0. XG was pretty close. You know, neither team really created anything of value. I'm pretty sure there was a goalkeeping mistake from Ramsdale on the first goal. But to make the case for Arsenal is in that match, Liverpool only had a 25% pressure success rate. And Liverpool's press has not been 
to the intensity that it's been in last season. You saw how Brighton was able to play right through it. Deserby basically just baited on the press. Liverpool just doesn't have the intensity. So they, you know, they created overloads in between the lines and they got their passing structures together and they played right through Liverpool. Arsenal can do the exact same thing. I can't get to the number on Arsenal. If it's I, if we're truly big, I don't know how, how could you not get to this number? I mean, Liverpool's run last season was historic, right? They were, yeah, but this is not. They were, they were, they were a plus one point seven xG differential per ninety. Like they were incredible. So to say that Liverpool is now, you know, essentially a, a point where they have point seven right now, essentially a goal worse. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Like I think they're still somewhere in the one point two to one point three range, and I don't know if I can price Arsenal up there yet. So for me, I'm passing. I do think there is a little value in Liverpool, though. I really do. Like I, I know they haven't been good, but like Anthony said, you're this sicko. is a great. This is a good sell high spot in Arsenal, but there's no way I'm betting against Arsenal. But you're not match, selling so. high. The price is. <laughs> it's a pick up. I don't understand. At home, at, at home. home. Look, look. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. I don't this. think Liverpool are four tenths of a goal better than Arsenal right now uh, on a neutral field per 90 i don't i don't yeah, I can't at this very that. moment no uh, not with we'll arsenal see. putting out numbers that they're a goal better than their opponents thus far and especially at home look you can make criticisms of arsenal away from home and i think there will be fade spots for them down the road and look i thought early in the season there was a couple good ones where you know maybe they were a little overvalued laying you know multiple goals goal and a half you know the full of match comes to mind but even that match you know they were they dominated that match right and you, know, you go back to the palace match opening day probably their worst performance of the season until United. So, you know, their two worst performances coming on the road are notable when, when they've been so dominant at home. Uh, and I think that's, that's gotta be taken into consideration here. The one oh, thing I'll say is that Liverpool's two toughest matches this season against Napoli and Manchester United, Thiago did not play. So we'll see how much of a difference he makes. I mean, we know the on off splits with him that right was, now, but we'll I mean, see. They were, they I do. Drew, th- I mean, they I mean, drew I, Ever- I, they I, drew I, Everton. They drew Brighton. <laughs> this, this, I don't, We'll see. This is crazy. Yeah, going from Arsenal, Liverpool to Bournemouth and Leicester, it's a beautiful way to transition. The Cherries, they're plus 250 at home. Leicester, plus 105 underdogs on the road off of their big win in the relegation six-pointer on Monday Night Football against Nottingham Forest. The draw here is plus 240. We know that this Bournemouth offense can't create anything. The defense, though, is you know not terrible. If you remove that 9-0 drubbing, to Liverpool, they've only allowed ten goals in, in seven the other seven matches, minus nine point six expected goal differential on the season. Uh, which, when you're only creating three point eight expected goals for on the season, it kind of shows you that their defense is not the issue here, right? That said, like their offense isn't the type that you want to back against a tough defensive side. This is a pretty easy pass for me here. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not too interested in going against Leicester again with another terrible team. So I'm going to pass. But you two think we could be seeing a little bit of a cage rattler, BJ. Absolutely. I mean, the under two and a half being plus money is pretty crazy in this match. So Bournemouth, they're still yet to create over one expected goal in a match this season. They've created just two big scoring chances against non-big six sides. Like you mentioned, Michael, they have been pretty good defensively. In the matches against Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Wolves, Newcastle, and Brentford, those matches only averaged 1.9 expected goals total. Leicester, on the other hand, against non-big six sides, because they've played quite a few, they've also been playing really low event styles because, you know, the four matches they played Brentford, Southampton, Brighton, and Forest, those matches only have averaged 2.1 expected goals. Now, Bournemouth has created the fewest big scoring chances. Leicester has created the second fewest. They've only created three so far on the season. And Leicester, this season... Their matches have had 36 goals off of 20.3 expected. That is insane. It has to do with, like we've mentioned many times, Danny Ward being one of the worst goalkeepers that the Premier League has ever seen. And also James Madison has scored five goals off of 1.2 expected to start the season. So I think this is a great regression type game. I think Bournemouth is going to be able to sit in their usual deep low block. And I have no faith in Lester being able to try and break down that low block. So I only have 2.3 goals projected. I think it's kind of crazy. This, the under two and a half is that plus money. So give me under two and a half goals. I was really kicking myself this week on Monday. How are you because- not on Bournemouth, Michael? This is crazy. The number's not even good. It's not good enough. <laughs> like, I actually kind of lean toward Leicester here. I think it's, there's a danger zone situation. Leicester's underlying numbers uh, are not as bad as their table position would indicate. You know, you look at the box progression numbers that we like to talk about. Box entries, attacking and defending. They're actually ninth in crosses completed. Uh, they're seventh in progressive passes. And they're seventh in box entries allowed. So they're... they're here come the foxes, baby. 
No, I, I'm not saying that because I think there's other. I think there's a lot of problems. Uh, the goalie is a big one. There's other problems too. They still can't defend set pieces. But Forrest could have had a couple. But uh, I think there's a danger when you have Bournemouth, who is going to sit extremely deep, uh, like they did against Wolves. I mean, if you can't, if you're letting Wolves dominate possession against you on your home turf, which is what happened when they played a few weeks ago, you run into a real problem. If Leicester is going to get the ball on the edge of the area a bunch of times with the players they have and the quality that they tend to show in those situations between Harvey Barnes and James Madison, I just feel like you're asking to concede dumb goals where we're going to, we're going to sit here and we're going to go, Oh my God, James Madison scored a 20 yard goal again. Well, yeah. If he's just standing there on the edge of the box and nobody's near him, you know, there's, there's a danger in how Bournemouth is going to probably try to set up here where a team like wolves, they took a bunch of shots from deep and didn't score. I think Lester may turn up the pressure here and actually get a result. I lean toward them. I also lean toward the under, but first of all, this Bournemouth attack's terrible. Under four expected goals for the year. But how do I, I? I can't do it. I bet the end of the other day felt like I was on the right side there, and then the, the goals just kept pouring in, and and that wasn't even Leicester conceding this time. So uh, I'm gonna probably end up staying away here, but I'm very close to Leicester. I was telling friend of the pod, one of our only guests ever, Alan Shapiro, that I was kicking myself for. Oh, not. I thought you were gonna say Fabrizio. Oh no. Fabrizio's on a different level. Of course, he he yeah. is not only the, a friend of the pod, he's he's the godfather of this podcast. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll hear from him again soon. But I was telling Alain Shapiro, I was, I was pissed at myself for not backing James Madison to score on Monday because the darts are in Leicester, and he's a huge darts fan. He was playing darts with uh, Garen Price and Joe Cullen after their game. So that's on me. I failed everybody listening to this podcast for not putting that together. Uh, let's move on now to Chelsea and Wolves. This one's taking place at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea, odds on, minus 250 uh, at Bet365. Wolves coming back six and a half to one. The draw is plus 375. Bruno Lodge. Man, somebody on this podcast mm. about a year and, and some change ago thought Bruno Lodge was going to be one of the most underrated managers in the Premier League. We I won't, think, say, who, I think we won't word, say who it was. Word, I think the word revolution was was thrown out there. Hey, so not all revolutions succeed. You know, it's true. history is littered with failed revolutions, BJ. That's um, true. So the Bruno Lage revolution sputtered out. Once again, we won't say who thought it was going to be a successful revolution. Uh, James Collins and Steve Davis will be the co-caretaker managers for Wolverhampton, who have scored three whole goals this season. God bless Wolves. Uh, almost nine go- fourth. <laughs> almost, that's Diego the Costa was offside. Yeah. It was close. I was like, yeah. oh, that's the Wolverhampton story. Almost had a fourth. Um, yeah. 6.9 expected. So yes, this is like last year too. We, mm. the, the, the goals will come. Anthony will be bending wolves overs uh, as the weather starts to turn. Uh, colder. If they hire Lopetegui. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that they're going to do it's that. Just, I mean, look, a Domitore dream. They're just going to, I mean, look, Sevilla were notorious for their crossing. It was Lucas Acampos, Suso, just crossing into El Nezri. That He's not there yet. They're going to do the same thing if they hire him. It's going to be Traore, just cross, cross. Let's get it to Adama, cross, cross, cross. But only like one of them will be any good. So, oof. I mean, we'll see who they hire. Yeah, we'll see who they hire. Uh, but Chelsea, they, they've already taken care of their hire. and It was Grand Potter, and he got them uh, on the right track with a win on, over the weekend against Crystal Palace and then over the midweek against the battered AC Milan team on Wednesday. I got nothing here. I really want to bet Wolves, but I can't. We always say on the podcast that the new manager bounce is really just positive regression coming for teams. And I just three goals. It's it's just not enough. This I don't trust the offense to be able to break down this Chelsea defense, uh, the Grand Potter Chelsea defense, especially if Tiago, uh, whatever his name is, is uh, allowed to handball three times in the box and not get sent <laughs> off. Uh, Tiago Silva, like he did against Palace, who have to be the most unlucky team in terms of referee decisions this season between that and the City game. So, yeah, it's a pass for me here. BJ, what do you got? So I wasn't going to play this game. I was like, ah, whatever, pass. And then I was just taking a look at the injury report. And holy moly, do you guys know who, who's going to be playing essentially for Wolves in attack? I mean, Jimenez, Neto, He Chan Wang, Klozic, and Nevis are all out. Yeah. So it's going to be some version of Diego Costa, Adam Traore, like then Donker. Like it's going to be bad. And I have no idea how they're going to threaten this Chelsea box because I mean, Wolves, they're, they're at 0.87 non-penalty XG per 90. Like that's pretty much where they were around last season when they were one of the worst offenses in the premier league and Graham Potter's Chelsea has not allowed an opponent to create over one expected goal yet. Salzburg had three shots. 
Palace had seven shots and Milan had three shots in the Champions League today. So for Wolves, who is one of the, the most least efficient offenses in the Premier League, they have the second highest uh, shot distance on average, about 19 yards away from the goal. I have no idea how they're going to score here. So both teams score no uh, at minus 138 for me as an ode to Bruno Lage one more time. <laughs> All right, let's go. I, to- I, I ran my numbers and came up with a huge value on Wolves, and I was like, that can't be right. And then pulled up the injury report, and I was like, yeah, that, that looks right. So, yeah, I'm passing here. Me as well. So that means we can talk about Man City. They're pretty good. Uh, minus 900 against Southampton. This match is taking place at the Etihad. Uh, Saints plus 1800, 18 to one. The draws eight to one. Uh, what I mean, this we get to this point every year with City. It's like, oh, well, what what can we even say about them anymore? Uh, let's talk about Saints, though. Ninth in non penalty expected goals allowed, but the chances they give up are usually quality. 17th in the Premier League in big scoring chances allowed. And you saw in their loss to Everton, I think kind of the issue, right? They're they're pretty easy to bully in their own box. Like they're they're not gonna be like this robust team around the six yard box. I think everyone is pretty high on Bella Kochep as a young promising, like, you know, center back, but he's got some ways to go. He'll, he'll, he'll get there. And I think that's the kind of the case with this whole team. The spine just isn't tough enough. And I think a lot of that is Romeo not being around. Like that's a guy who was just really hard to play against. Like you didn't want to go up against that guy in the middle of the pitch. It feels like they just are not capable or suited. They don't have the personnel to, to handle Holland and, you know, I might be like oversimplifying and, and and creating a narrative just to base around one player, but it's just how it is at this point with the city team. So even at 18 to one, I'm usually this type of number in the premier league is automatically a play for me because we'll see one or two a year, but you know, I'm going to sit out. So this will be the one that clashes a la, it was right around this time of year, I would say with palace and, and city, maybe a little later in the year for that one, uh, where they, they won 20 to one. Oh, yeah. It was Halloween weekend. Yes. Yeah, it was a 20 to one yeah. underdog. So it's going to be a pass here. BJ, of the three of us, you're the only one who's into, into this. Yeah, I think both teams score no is kind of cheap at minus 125. Who cares about the city offense? Yeah, they'll probably score four or five here. But the Southampton offense really hasn't been that good. They've obviously just created over two expected goals against Everton. But, I mean, they're still at 1.05 non-penalty per 90. They've only created seven big scoring chances in eight matches. They only have a little over six expected goals from open play. The problem is, is they just don't have a consistent goal scoring threat. Like nobody on the team has scored more than two goals. Jay Adams and Adam Armstrong are both averaging under 0.3 XG per 90. And maybe the most concerning thing in terms of this match is that they are the worst team in the Premier League at playing through pressure. They're dead last in offensive passes per defensive action. And the city defense, I mean, only 4.9 expected goals allowed in eight matches. Like if you remove penalties, the only team that's created more than one expected goal against them was Newcastle. So this defense has continued to just be one of the best in the world. Because maybe if, you know, some teams have leaked through and got some goals. So yeah, both teams to score no minus 125, I think is a tad too cheap for how bad the Southampton offense is. And the fact they're not going to be able to play through pressure against City. I was a little surprised when I saw our show notes that, Neither of you are going to be joining me on this one. Uh, Newcastle minus 134, Brentford plus 333 on the road. The draw here is plus 275. Newcastle has been much better than their record suggests. We know that. We've covered that. They should have more than two wins according to their you know goal differential, expected goal differential, whatever. But I still think this number seems a little bit high because they're going up against a good team. And I know Brentford, does their game travel on the road away from Brentford Community Stadium? That's always a question, but... It's still, I think it's still a decent number on a team that has shown to be in that kind of eighth to 12th best team in the Premier League at so far this season. So I like, and, and Newcastle isn't that much ahead of that. So I like, I like Brentford here on the road, uh, plus 333, Anthony. They're the third best team at creating big scoring chances. That's something Newcastle doesn't do a good job of preventing. Flip it over. Newcastle does a good job at creating big scoring chances for themselves, three, third in the Premier League. But the Bs are sixth best at present, preventing them. So, they're a tough team to beat better than three to one at going up against a non elite team. I'll take it. Yeah. I think Brentford can find some success here in transition opportunities. I do think Newcastle's a little bit weak there, uh, but Newcastle's had very impressive underlying numbers and you can't really take much from last week with the early red card against Fulham, but they're a team who continues to be due for some positive regression. Their field tilt numbers, fifth best in the league, expected threat, fourth best in the league. There's a lot of things to like about Newcastle and there's not as much to like about Brentford away from home in this spot where they're, you know, I think Brentford's solidly an average team in the Premier League, but going on the road 
plus a half against a better team. No, thanks. If it got to plus one, I'd bet it, but I'm not betting Brentford here. Let's talk about Brighton then. This is the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're plus I'm one. disappointed that BJ is not joining me here, but this I know is, he loves talking. This match, so. you, you are insane to think that this, this line this, creates this is, value uh, This was kind of the inverse of, of the Arsenal and Liverpool match where I looked at this line and I was like, this is, doesn't make sense to me. But uh, the Seagulls are plus 175 at home, hosting Spurs, plus 150 at Bet365. The draw is plus 240. I got nothing here. I think this line looks right. And I was expecting it to be a lot higher on uh, Brighton, but Anthony, you think it's more than suitable for a bet. Look, I thought I look, I bet Spurs for the first time all year on Tuesday. And after watching that game play out, I would bet it again and again and again and again. I thought that was good process, bad results. Uh, Spurs got Kane. Kane couldn't in, tap any. Yeah. He couldn't tap. Yeah, in. They got bad. him free in the box twice, man. Like in the six yard box. Uh, for crosses and he just whiffed on them. And then, you know, Sone just misses wide and Richarlison had a chance. There were chances and Spurs were the better side. They should have won it. Uh, sometimes that happens in soccer. Uh, I don't take too much into it in terms of the result of the game. Now, when you watch back what happened in the game, I think you run into an issue that I'm now concerned about, which is the day on Kulisevsky injury, because I love Richarlison, but this team lacks creativity right now. When Kulisevsky is not on the pitch. Remember, Spurs' big run. Yes, it started with Antonio Conte in November. They got everybody going. Kane and Son were firing and everything was great. But when they took the next step, it was when Kulisevsky came into the team. And they have not been as good without him because they don't have a playmaker. Who's the playmaker for Spurs right now? It's Ivan Perisic, probably, on the left wing back. And then Emerson Royale stinks. And it's Kulisevsky, who is not probably not going to play in this match. So you're going to get Richarlison. And they get the ball to the final third. And they seem like they lack ideas because Son is now in more of a playmaker role, which is not his best strong suit. Uh, Kane uh, is stuck getting on the end of chances because they need him to do that. But he can't be the playmaker that he's very good at being. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect here. And I think Spurs are overvalued. I do. I don't have a huge numbers edge here. But I think from a stylistic point of view, Brighton will be able to play through Spurs. Spurs are not a good pressing team. Brighton will have plenty of time on the ball. They're at home in this match. I I would be surprised if Spurs won it. And look, it's not that crazy from a numbers point of view. Both teams have played almost enough of a sample now to draw conclusions from. Brighton have played Liverpool, so they both have played good teams in this league. Brighton and Spurs, based on FE Ref's XG numbers, have the same expected goal difference per 90. So now I'm on the road and I'm getting them as a slight underdog. John O'Bet, you know, pick them. So I like Brighton and I bet the Seagulls this morning. Do you know the last team to be this short traveling to Brighton in terms of a big six team? Well, Man United, probably. It was that lame duck, horrible Man United team at the end of last season. Like, are you really going to sit here and say that the, this Tottenham team and that well, Man United well, team are comparable? Brighton is Brighton really that much better than they were towards the end of last season? Truly? I don't think so. I mean, this line, I think they're this playing better. Like, I'm not playing it, but I mean, come on, Anthony. You, you know better. this Tottenham team is. He's mad. He's mad at. He's mad at. I'm not mad at all. This is, this is not a, mad at this all. Is a, I would have been. I was kind of hoping Spurs would win. I thought it might get a better. Hey, we'll get, you and it's, we a, it's, a, it's a weird situational spot, too, now because the Champions League kind of becomes a priority next week against Frankfurt. Uh, you know, it's funny. Look, I, I think Kulisevsky, look, I think Kulisevsky makes a huge difference and it's one player and yeah, 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 yada, 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 yada. But I'm not denying that Brighton, Brighton can cause us problems. And, and look, yeah, of, I've, of I've said that can. before you look at our field tilt from Here's, last year and you compare our field tilt to this year, it is worse. So there, there are signs that there's problems. You're mad at Spurs. You watch Brighton. Not mad. You, you take Liverpool and get un, un, in an unlucky I mean, draw. This is this is just a tough spot for you. Uh, to, I mean, to listen, the spot's navigate. not great. I mean, I'll give you the spot's not great for Tottenham. Like, it's not a yeah, good short thing. rest. Traveling, and then they got, yeah, exactly. Traveling to Germany, down to Brighton, and then yeah, another Champions League game next week. So yeah, it's not a good spot. But I mean, I mean, come on. Like, I already grabbed oh. Spurs the minute FanDuel opened the line for the Frankfurt home match. Yep. So like, look, this is not like a. I think Spurs are terrible now. Like, I don't think that's the case. And I, like I said, I bet them. There was a bad opener, but my point is that this is not a good spot. This is not a good matchup for us. And it's, it's a spot that we really struggled in, in the spring against this team. We couldn't create anything. Even when we were playing really well at home, we were minus minus one eighty. We created less than one expected goal. 
I think there's a problem in this kind of matchup, and I like Brighton at home. All right, you're you're telling Tottenham go to your room. I'm very mad at you. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I I, I was more. I was. I was not that upset by the derby loss. I'm gonna be dead honest with you. I was not that upset because I I thought they played okay. But that's that's not what that's not what you said when you were when you called me right after in, in tears. Palace uh, plus one ten uh, <laughs> hosting Leeds Leeds plus two forty. The draw is plus two fifty. Um, question: Was this Palace defense ever going to improve? Uh, that's really what you're asking about. They conceded less than one xG to Chelsea. No, they gave up two goals though. That's that, like at some point you just got to do both. You got it. Like if you're going to get results, they're allowing the highest. And win I love bets Palace in this spot. I, I like Palace. I think. Go look, on. I, what? I'm gonna go keep on. going. Your boy? I'm, I'm shocked yep. by this. Yep. Go. Look, I think I've got the better team, who has been dominant at home, and I get plus money on them. That's enough for me. I am a fan of Jesse Marsh. I am a fan of Leeds. I think you know. Obviously, last week's numbers are a little bit skewed because you know they got an early, somewhat early red card, and that kind of led them to be defending for their lives for the end of the match. So you can't apply too much into that, but. I don't think we can even use Palace's numbers still. And that's going to be the case for like three or four more matches until they play mediocre teams. The sample of them against not very good teams, there's one game and it's Villa. That's the worst team they've played and they dominated them. And I think this is a perfect get right spot at home. Sinistera being out, by the way, is a big loss for Leeds. I mean, he's very lively, excellent in transition. It's where Palace could get exploited. I don't think that will be the case in this match. And I look, I like Leeds a lot. Their performances away from home have not been nearly as good as they've been at home under Marsh. And I think that is definitely something that uh, I believe will be a problem in this match going up against the best home, you know, one of the best home away splits in that there is. I mean, Leeds have played three away matches this year and they got handled by Brighton. They got handled by Brentford and they played Southampton about even. I think Palace is much closer to the Brentford and the Brightons of the world than I do Southampton. And I think uh, I'm only, I'm getting plus money here. I'll take it. I, I make Palace minus 105. You're mad at Tottenham. I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm just mad at Crystal Palace. I'm not Palace. mad at Palace. And, I, like uh, they lost to Chelsea. Like, I, know, I, I know, but I Chelsea's thought good. like, I just, and they I, lost they like up, an 88th minute. They, I know, they were, but they were, they were up 1-0. They were up 1-0. They were up 2-0 against Man City. These, I'm just, I'm mad at them. That's all. That's, that's what's skewing my, my look here. I, maybe I'll join you. I, I think I, 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 I thought like, I was going to be passing on this. You could make the point that Vieira is like mismanaging these leads against big teams and sitting a little bit too deep and inviting too much pressure, right? They blow a 2-0 lead to City. They blow the lead to Liverpool. They blow the lead to Chelsea. But the fact that they have leads against these really good teams is more important to me than the fact that they keep blowing them. Uh, they've dropped a ton of points this year. Does anybody really think they're a bottom six team? No. So positive regression is coming. I'm all in on the palace. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll just trust you. Yeah, I just will. Uh, this I've match, I love. Mo- I mean, we haven't even lost that much money on palace. If you think well, about you it. haven't. I bet the money line. So like, I, right, and I'm and true. I'm used. I'm used to that kind of just like swing on a team. Speaking of, like one of them was the biggest one for me last year was West Ham. Like they were winning at big numbers all throughout like the early part of our fall and and into the early winter, and then plummeted. But let's talk about those hammers. Nine a.m. on Sunday, West Ham minus one thirty-eight against Fulham. Plus 375 on the road for a London Derby. The draw here is plus 280. Fulham is going through it with injuries. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic is doubtful. Anthony Robinson, still doubtful. However, West Ham isn't good. Like, they're just not good right now. So I'm not terribly concerned that you're getting a, a, a slightly weakened Fulham team at this number. This is a good number to go against West Ham. Uh, you're getting close to four to one. I think when the lineups come out, this numbers might go up even further, like when everything's confirmed. So you might want to just sit back if you're into the pain like I am and going to be betting uh, the cottagers here. And I know that the defense has been terrible and it's getting to be where Marco Silva had Everton, you know, just he sometimes just ignores the other half of the game, which it's fun to put the ball on the carpet and create scoring chances, but you also need to defend a little bit there, Marco. You got to defend. This is, um, this is, this is taking stuff personally. You just don't like Marco. They're I think Marco, I liked Marco. I think he's very handsome, but he's a little stubborn. Uh, Fulham defense, 20th in non-penalty expected goals allowed and big scoring chances allowed. But here's the good news, Anthony. Here is the good news. David Moyes' West Ham, 19th in creating non-penalty expected goals, 18th in creating big scoring chances. They're just not good enough to exploit it right now. I like Fulham. 
I like Fulham on the money line. BJ, am I crazy? No, uh, you're not crazy. I mean, West Ham matches the season are averaging 1.7 non-penalty expected goals. That is uh, true David Moyes ball. But with Fulham, I mean, they are they are painfully too direct right now. I mean, highest direct speed, second fewest passes per sequence. You have 16 direct attacks compared to just five build-up attacks. That's the lowest in the Premier League. So the direct correlation of like actually creating, consistently creating big scoring chances, it's not good for Fulham. They have taken... 56 shots from open play and created just a little over five expected goals. Only Bournemouth is worse in the premier league. And also Anthony mentioned on a few last pot or a few pods ago, but they're really reliant on Mitrovic scoring. Like he scored, he has five of their nine expected goals on the season. Like he's questionable. I don't know if he's actually going to play in this one. So uh, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to create anything of value who against a David Moyes defense that is third in the premier league in non-penalty expectables allowed. They're only allowing 0.86 per match. Like that's it's crazy when you consider, when you, could, when you consider how bad year. their defense, yeah. yeah, what their, how bad their defense was towards the second half of last season. And listen, it does, you know, being healthy obviously matters. Like they, their defense yeah. has been healthy, but I mean, last five matches, which has included two matches against Tottenham and Chelsea, they haven't allowed a, any of those teams to create over one expected goal, only 3.2 expected goals allowed in their last five. So, I mean, Moyes is really just back to his old ways. He's just sitting deep in a low block. They're dead last in pass per defensive action. They're not coming out and pressing. They're 15th in field field tilt. But hey, it's been successful. So why change it, right? I mean, and then for Fulham, define successful. 0.86 non penalty expected goals allowed. That's pretty successful right now defensively at least i'm not trying to say we'll get to their offense because well, they're 15th in the uh, table though i mean <laughs> yeah i mean it, like, it's because the offense you can't score you know, the offense has been really bad right the offense, right. if you can't score and you can't counter then yeah that's bad defensively it's working but you know that transition of getting it forward going offensively really isn't working so i mean fulham will have paulinia back from yellow card suspension that's obviously massive for them i'd say he's outside of you know that one striker at uh where manchester city i'd say that uh paulinia is probably the signing of the summer Man, you sound like someone who really? hasn't watched Connor Cody play this season. <laughs> yeah, Holland doesn't even count uh, as signing in the summer. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I mean, West Ham's created four big scoring chances on the season. Like they're painfully bad offensively. So both teams to score Noah's project is is at plus one ten right now. Like that's crazy. That's plus money with how bad both of these offenses are. So um, let's keep the both teams to score no train rolling. Give me that at uh, plus one ten. Anthony, if I bet Crystal Palace, will you bet Fulham with me? No. All right, let's talk about Everton and Manchester United. Do you know what time this game's kicking off on Sunday? 10.30 Central 2, Time. 2 p.m. Eastern Time. A seven, oh, really? Se- it yeah, it's, a, it's a 7 p.m. kickoff over in England Oh, okay. uh, because it's the BT Sport game of the uh, of the week. Um, of and the usually year? That's, usually that slot is 12.30 uh, in England, but that would have not given Manchester United the requisite like 48 hours. Uh, from their Europa League match. So they had to move it to the other open slot, which is 2 p.m. So uh, for us, 2 p.m. Eastern, so 7 p.m. Uh, over there. So a rare Sunday night football match. Everton plus 275. Under the lights at Goodison Park. United minus 106. The draw here is two, plus 240 at Bet365. Oh, Frank Lampard's toffees, man. Seven match on beaten streak. You know who was allowed the fewest goals in the Premier League this season? That's Frank Lampard's toffees, man. They haven't allowed more than a goal since they played Aston Villa, and they've only allowed more than one goal in one match this season. And I'm not too concerned about the defensive regression because they have regression-proof goalkeeper Jordan Pickford, the mm-hmm. center-back pairing of Cody and Tarkovsky. Like they're they're just really good at defending their box, and with Ghana in front of them, like this is a team that's probably going to beat their expected goals against numbers for the season. Just when you think about their personnel. And I don't, I'm not too concerned about the offense against this Man United defense that ranks 16th in non-penalty expected goals per 90, 16th in shots allowed per 90, and 12th in big scoring chances. Uh, they got picked apart by a Manchester City team just a little bit. They're just a little bit better uh, than Everton. I think we could all agree on that. And uh, it's, it's been weeks and weeks of me, of me beating this drum and saying, you guys are missing out. Get on the bandwagon. It's coming. This team's going to pay off. And they've paid off. And now all of a sudden... Guess who's joining the party? BJ and Anthony. Anthony on Everton. First time in what, a year and a half? I'd have to go back and look. I definitely bet a couple of Everton unders uh, last year. I don't remember betting on Everton. Uh, but I think that the stylistic matchup here is that Everton will successfully be able to sit deep and counterattack Man United. And I think that United thrives in certain situations when they can, when they can uh, you know, 
win the ball and run into space behind. They use Sancho and Anthony, but United have a striker issue right now with the injury situation. That's concerning. United do not do enough for me to dominate possession and dominate games against lower table sides, especially on the road. That creates a situation where I'm a bit concerned for them here in this spot. It's also a weird situation for them with the uh, Europa League travel right before. Then they're going to have to travel up to uh, or over to Everton. Uh, so it's not a great situational spot. It's not a great number situation either. I mean, look at United away from home this season. They went to Southampton and won one nil, but they lost expected goals. They went to Leicester and won one nil, but expected goals were 1.1 to 0.6. Uh, we, we know about Leicester, eh, not that inspiring performance, you know, in hindsight. Uh, and then they went to Sheriff and won the expected goals by one. Did a two, no win good performance, but it, it, again, it's Sheriff. I think that there are, are still concerns and I don't think everything is all right at Man United. What? So I like Everton plus a half and BJ will tell you they're the worst team that's ever existed. And I disagree, <laughs> but I'm just surprised but, uh, you're like kind of seeing the light here, Anthony, that maybe this you, Manchester United you got, team Everyone's seeing the light here in this match. Finally. I, look, I think there's the definitely, I mean, look, you, you bet Arsenal against them. I was, I was out on that trap. I think that was a bad matchup, but I think there are certain matchups Crap. that United will be good in, but there are, there are some that I don't want any part of them. And this is one where I want no part of Man United. I kind of mean, like the Ole thing. It's just Ole. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of where we're yeah, at. Yeah, no, it, United, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, I mean, credit to Eric Tenhong for actually having to, you know, being able to develop a different style style for Manchester United because he realized that his defensive midfielders and center backs suck so that he needs to essentially play a low defensive line. I mean, United is playing the lowest defensive line in the entire Premier League right now. Like, that's and crazy to think about. Like, they've played. They stopped and, kicking it short. Exactly. The They're kicks. just playing it long. Like they've, they've, they've turned into Burnley, Michael, like United is just now, I mean, they probably should have hired Sean Deitch if they're going to play this way. Um, but Hey, listen, Michael, I mean, Dominique Calvert-Lewin has been upgraded to questionable for this match. So we it might, it doesn't matter. We got finally, Mopai. we might find, no, we might finally see the striking duo of Mopai and Dominic <laughs> Calvert-Lewin, which I know everybody has been waiting for to see, to really unlock this Everton attack. But I mean, no, I mean, even last year, Everton really, I mean, they beat United at Goodison Park. Like they yeah. held them under one expected goal. And then they did the same thing at Old Trafford when they drew them 1 1. And I mean, United, they're allowing a 1.68 expected threat per 90 minutes. Like only Everton, Bournemouth, and Crystal Palace have a higher expected threat allowed. Like teams are just getting inside the final third and creating chances against United. And yeah, they're playing, they're sitting deep. And, you know, the, the city match, we can't really, you know, we, there are things we can take away from that. Like that. Yeah. United still have a, a lot of problems to go way beyond Harry Maguire. Verane is out for this match as well. So it's going to be Lindelof and Lissandra Martinez back there. Not, not a great center back pairing. It's going to be and great Anthony to watch Mitchell. Onana versus yeah. Lissandra Martinez. I mean, United's, 16, United's 16th and expected goals allowed. Like this defense is still really, really yeah. bad. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Everton plus half a goal. Like the trip to Cyprus in the middle of the week, like or on Thursday <laughs> is, is, is challenging because United lost to associate dad and they have to take this match seriously. Yeah. Like they can't just go in and walk on and try to walk over Nicosia. Like they have to take it seriously. So yeah, give me the toffees plus half a goal in this one. I think that makes it what nine for nine on United fades, Anthony. So I, lo I lost count. Are you up on those? Uh, I feel like we're, I don't know. Probably not, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it until well, I get to the beginning of the season was just, it was free money, no matter if you're betting on or against United, if you're listening to this podcast, but yeah, I think uh, this is, this is just a, a banger of a spot for Frank Lampard's toffees and he's got them going in the right direction. It feels good uh, right now. Hey, guess who's back on Monday night football, Nottingham forest plus two thirty, hosting Aston Villa uh, plus one twenty oh. on the road. The draw here. How do they keep getting all these Island matches? I'm like almost certain they have the Friday match the following week as well. You know what's incredible? Is this, this, it's, uh, is this the end of Steve Cooper? No, no, no. Because when they oh, go down, he, he's the, he, he's the guy. He's the guy who's going to have to bring them back up. Yeah. Here's the problem: I am going to bet Nottingham Forest in this match. That's the problem. I might be. Uh, the, I might be too. It's a. Let me think about well. the matchup here. Like, just think about it simply. What's Nottingham Forest's biggest problem on the field? Like, I'm not talking about the absolutely sociopathic recruiting. I'm talking about the on-field, and that's their defense. Wouldn't stop Dulwich Hamlet from scoring right now, but they don't have to worry about that because Aston Villa's attack might be worse than 
Dulwich Hamlet's uh, attack. It's so bad. Uh, so like you're t- you're you're taking a terrible defense against a pragmatic lumbering offense, and this is the spot. They're at home. It's a huge game for them. Uh, I I like Forest. It sucks, but I the house of pain. It's the city ground. Uh, I'll be on. The tricky trees here, Anthony. Look, it's very hard for me to do this because of what I've said about Villa and my positions on them uh, and my belief in them. Um, but I, I do show a little bit of value on Nottingham Forest at home. I've actually, <laughs> I've actually bumped me them too. in the last two weeks. And I know that's hard to say after they lost to Leicester, but I actually thought they did some things well in that match. I thought they uh, went to Leicester and, and played about even unexpected goals. And sometimes, you know, we were in a meeting, BJ, during this game. Taiwo hits the post on, on a one-on-one chance. And then Lester comes right down the other end, deflected goal from 20 yards. And then Lingard whiffed, looked. and then it was a deflected goal. Right. It so it, it's, look, like flukes happen in one soccer match. We cannot overreact to one soccer match. Uh, cannot overreact to Forrest's defense, which has been terrible, but has been at least presentable at home somewhat. I don't know. It's hard to make the case, but really it's more of a, of a should Villa be a, half goal favorite on the road against anybody right now. <laughs> I'd argue much closer. No. Um, what about Dulwich I, I, I am going to have to build the courage again to bet this team. It's good. That's why it's good that it's a Monday night game. You know, no, you got bad because I'm no, more likely to bet it. No, it's good. If it was on Saturday at 10. I could just say, I'm no, never turn this match on. No, no, no. I'm never you, going to even going to have all day. I'm going to turn have... off the goal alerts for this game. You're going to have now I'm all be day. Like, You're going to have all day. And there's going to be one singular thing on your mind. And that's, I'm betting Nottingham Forest today. And so is my friend BJ Cunningham. Yeah, I do actually show a little bit of edge on Nottingham Forest, which is kind of crazy to say. I mean, they were, I mean, they they won the expected goals battle against Leicester, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, again, I'll I'll keep holding on to the fact and maybe I'll just keep They're not playing the new players. I, I know they're not like their defense is the same. They, 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 like, they, they just, it's it. like a hostage situation. It's, it's incredibly strange. <laughs> I mean, wait, look, listen, when Rafa Benitez gets in and, and turns this team into a 4 He's going to sell them all. Like, he hates every block. player who's ever played for him. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is guys. what happens. He's going to bring in Andros Townsend. He's going to bring in Rondon. <laughs> He's going to bring in his guys. This is what happens when you just decide, I'm going to buy 19 players. I don't really care if they fit the system. I'm just going to buy 19 players that we have the talent. Like, listen, Forrest does have some talent. Like, It's not like that. these players they bought were bad. Like, Taiwo's good. Lindegaard still has something in there. Um but yeah, Morgan gives a promising Freuler. young talent. Yeah, Froiler, like these, they have some talent. And I'm going to keep holding on to that fact, probably until they get relegated, that, hey, they're going to turn the ship around at some point because these players are actually going to get to know each other and learn to play in the system. And maybe this, maybe this situation happens, you know, on Monday. I mean, Villa, yeah, they created over two expected goals against Leeds, but a lot of it came after the red card. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll be on Nottingham Forest. It'll be fun. Yeah, last week was my first Forest bet. How was the experience? I, 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 I convinced he, Anthony at the final minute to bet it. He did, and the experience was terrible, to be completely <laughs> honest. But but you know, my Forest relegation ticket that was looking good. So yeah, I mean, it was a double whammy for me on Monday when they uh, ruined my Leicester last at Christmas. Uh, all right, so that wraps up the Premier League. Let's talk about some European leagues our best bets will start in germany but before we get there a reminder that wonder goal is presented by bet365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action you get bet365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado bet one dollar on any game get 200 free bundesliga der classiker uh we had someone reach out to us a listener who i thank very much for listening and reaching out saying that um they don't call it their classiker in germany it's just that's kind of a vernacular no, no, but I'm still going to call it their classicer because that's we're American and we butcher these things, just like how you know BJ says Belgrade and and I can't pronounce like half the team's names in, in a lot of these leagues. Uh, we apologize for that. Doesn't make us less of soccer fans. And and once again, we do thank you for for reaching out. Uh, Dortmund plus three twenty at home hosting Bayern Munich minus one fifty. The draws plus three seventy five. <laughs> we just talked about uh, the pain of betting Nottingham Forest. Uh, this one's going to come close for you two gentlemen, I think. I mean, I know Dortmund's not Dortmund anymore in terms of like their back and forth seesaw battles, but an under here in a Bayern-Dortmund match, Anthony. You know, every time this match gets played, I uh, 
I show value on the under, but it's very rare. I actually bet it. And, you know, you go back to the last two seasons. Now there've been four games that they've played against one another. I've only bet the under once and it, it was because it got to four and it was uh, the end of last season in April. And I was like, all right, four is just too much. It ended three, one, there was 3.2 expected goals. There was a penalty in there, but I pushed, but, but the reality here is that this Dortmund team is just not the same. And they, I also normally look to play Bayern in this match. Normally Bayern is actually undervalued for me because I think the, uh, the market uh, prices these two teams closer than they actually are on a consistent basis. I remember betting, you know, Bayern in the first match, but from a stylistic point of view, this Dortmund attack looks very lost when they're not playing a team called Sevilla. They <laughs> did absolutely nothing for the majority of the first half against Colin last week on the road. That's a pretty big red flag going up against Bayern. You look at the underlying numbers for this Dortmund team, and we've talked about the regression, but they're getting almost nothing from Tony Modest. And he was somebody who finished well above their XG last season. He has 14 shots in seven matches. That's really bad for the supposed second best team. Jude Bellingham is getting more shots than Anthony Modest. Marco Royce is their third leading shot getter. He's out. Their fourth shot person, Marius Wolf, Gladbach reject. So think about all of the issues that 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 also probably so, out for this match. Right. Think about all the you know problems with that. When you think about it and, you know, Danielle Malin is up there too, somebody who's not getting regular minutes right now. So where are the shots coming from that are going to trouble this Bayern team? They're not there. I think Bayern is a little overvalued because now they're up to like minus 150, minus 160. They've taken money. They actually have taken more money as Dortmund was smashing Sevilla. People were betting, you know, somebody was betting Bayern to roll Dortmund, which I think is a kind of a, of a sense of what, the situation is well, they they rolled pleasant, obviously. So yes, they they definitely moved the needle, but, but the reality, I like the under three and a half. This, this is one of the rare times I will actually bet it. I like betting it more so at Dortmund because you might get a better defensive effort. Defense is still okay. And they were really bad on the road at Colm last week, but they're still, I think improved. So give me the under. And BJ, you're, you're in for the pain too, huh? Yeah, I mean, these matches are always stupid, like Anthony mentioned. I mean, both matches were under three and a half expected goals last season. Like Anthony mentioned, the second one had a penalty in it. I mean, Anthony hit the nail on the head that this Dortmund attack just has nothing right now when they have to face uh, a good side. But the flip side of that, and we've been talking about it, is that their defense has actually greatly improved with Sule and Schlotterback as a center back pairing. So I think they'll be able to do some things to help keep Bayern out versus, you know, last season playing Hummels and Nikanji back there. I think that's a big improvement. Um, Bayern has a couple guys that might be out, you know, Thomas Mueller's questionable, uh, Coleman's questionable as well. So obviously they have a ton of depth. So I'm not trying to say that Bayern's attack is going to, you know, not have their way in this match, but yeah, I, I only project 3.1 uh, goals. So yeah, I'll, I'll jump on the pain. It, it won't be fun, but yeah, there is some value on the under. I mean, I think Makoko is going to start. I mean, he's 17. Yeah. And then, like he shows promise, but he's 17. He's, he's not, uh, not very big either. So, um, no. yeah. Him and a Demi up top. Oof, man. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, they're going to start Tony, not, Tony Modest, but I mean, Modest yeah. is in decon. I mean, he, I mean, if Byron wants to play a high line, like he's not getting it behind them. So like, how is Dortmund really going to threaten Byron if they want to play a high line, you know? Right. So, yeah. Uh, what else in the Bundesliga for you this week, BJ? Yeah, how about a Friday afternoon kickoff? Hot how about one? Let's go. Minus 110 at home against Werder Bremen. Kind of a cheap price here, I think, for Hoffenheim, who's sitting fifth in the Bundesliga. I think we can throw out their first match against Gladbach, where they got a red card in the 19th minute. Their last seven matches, they have a plus 5.2 expected goal differential, and they've only lost the expected goals battle once, and it was to Dortmund on the road. Last season, they were a really good offensive team. They were top five in expected goals. They created the second most big scoring chances. They played through pressure well. They progressed the ball up the field very well. Their Achilles heel was they just gave up far too many big scoring chances. They allowed 1.75 per match this season. They went out and they got Ozan Kabak from Schalke, who's now you know slotted into their starting center back pairing. He's improved them quite drastically. Now they're allowing around one big scoring chance per match. So if the defense has improved. You still have a really good offense. And Werder Bremen, uh, they're they're drastic overperformers offensively. Eighteen goals of around twelve expected so far. I found this kind of funny. Werder Bremen has scored 
in every single match this season, except for against Augsburg of all teams, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but stylistically, I think this is a good advantage here for Hoffenheim because Werder Bremen, they love to press high, like their top five and pressures in the final third and high turnovers, but Hoffenheim, their bottom five in those two categories, they're sixth uh, to last in field tilt, but they are top five at playing through pressure. So I think they'll be able to sit deep and basically open up, allow Werder Bremen to come on, bait them to press them, and then really play balls through and progress the ball up the field and, and create a lot of big scoring chances. So I have Hoffenheim projected at minus 133. So I like the price on them at minus 110 at bet 365. Anthony, we have a couple teams of the podcast. One of them is Mines. I'm going to talk about another one when we get to La Liga. You're on Mines here. Yeah, you know, it's actually been kind of an underwhelming season for Mines thus far. Their underlying numbers are pretty average, uh, and I think they are still in a good spot here at home against Leipzig. Leipzig with a big win in the Champions League, aided by some shocking goalkeeping. I mean, I don't want to rant about goalkeepers, but they've cost me a lot of money in the last week just passing the ball right to the other team. But Leipzig still looks extremely vulnerable and defensive transition. I mean, you watch the game today, Celtic had a lot of many periods of sustained pressure in that game where it looked like they should have scored in the first half. And then in transition, just ripped them apart in the early part of the second half. Uh, so I still have major question marks about this Leipzig defense, even though watching Chris and Cuckoo cook is a lot of fun. Mine's still excellent defensively. And so I think this is a good matchup for Mines at home. They are undervalued. I like them on the draw no bet line. And then I'll be betting them. Uh, in our underdog segment as well. From Germany to Spain, La Liga. BJ, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, I like uh, Sociedad Villarreal over two and a half goals at even money. So um, listen, we all love Alexander Ishak on this podcast, but Sociedad's created 7.7 expected goals in the five matches without him so far, which is actually a higher average than they had with him last season. But again, we love Ishak, but something kind of maybe a little bit notable. I mean, they just put five past Girona on the weekend. This is the same team that underperformed drastically last season. You know, 40 goals off 53 expected. They were due for some positive regression. Unai Emery's Villarreal does have the second best defense on expected goals, but uh, you kind of have to take it with grain of salt given the schedule they played. Valladolid, you know, Atletico, obviously a very, very difficult test. And Getafe, Elche, Betis, Sevilla, Cadiz, not exactly murderer's row. On the flip side, Villarreal's offense is absolutely clicking just like it was last season. They didn't lose anybody over the offseason. They already created 13 expected goals in seven matches. And, uh, you know, per info goals, expected goals model, they have only been held under one and a half expected goals uh, one time in their first seven matches, and it was against Getafe. And, you know, the two meetings were pretty high event last season. The first one, had four, over four expected goals created in the second one had 3.2. So two and a half goals is that even money, which I think is a little cheap. So uh, like over two and a half in Sociedad Villarreal. There's been a scoring explosion in La Liga this year. It's been fun. Yeah, might, uh, I, I think we're going to have to start playing some overs in uh, La Liga. Not against this team though. That's athletic club Bilbao. That's my favorite bet this week down the road uh, against Anthony's boys, Sevilla, Bilbao, Los Leones, the team from the Basque country. They're plus 140, 65 to one to win La Liga. Three points adrift of Barcelona right no. now. <laughs> and the best, uh, the second best defensive Maybe. team. It, <laughs> they're the second best defensive team uh, by expected goals in uh, the Spanish top flight right now. They're taking on Sevilla, who are the second worst and are just look just awful. Also coming off uh, some short rest. So, yeah, even as a road favorite, still continue to sell low which is bad betting hygiene, but I'm going to do it anyways on Sevilla with Los Leones, Bilbao. First bet on them for me, I think the season uh, feels good to be back in the Basque country. Anthony. I will say bet regret maybe of the year for me. Lope, the players knew Lopetegui was getting fired before the game. I didn't know that. And I didn't find out until the Galazzo show kicked off. And they said that on the broadcast. And I was like, why am I? Why don't I have my bank account on Dortmund here at plus 140? Like, that's an absurd number. And then they scored in the six minutes. So... Do you know who Sevilla's bringing in? Uh, I hadn't heard, but no matter who it is, he's not going to solve their problems. It's Sam Poli from Marseille. Oh, my goodness. Just, just, oh, my gosh. They're, they're out to get you. From one hated team to another. <laughs> and, and Lopetegui is going to Wolves potentially. Now, I know. So, like, that's, <laughs> I mean, they're just these bad teams that we hate, just trade managers. Uh, I can't wait to figure out. Uh, we don't hate Wolves. We're, we're, we're sorry is going to end up, but, <laughs> but, uh, once he leaves Lazio. Anytime you can bet on a team 
named CLV in gambling. I mean, how do you not do it? Right. You know, we bet on them last week at home against Betis. They cash for us. Now I'm going to take an under. This is a terrible spot for Barcelona. They just had a really tough loss on the road at Inter. They have to host Inter next week. And El Clasico is the week after. So you have three matches against Inter Milan, Inter Milan, and Barca, and Real Madrid that will go a long way toward deciding your season. And this is in October. I mean, it's getting dicey for Barca and our tickets right now. But now they have a home match against Celta Vigo. And Barcelona has been flat in the last few matches. And I think that uh, there's, there's some pressure surrounding Lewandowski. But really, I think this is more a matter of they'll probably wake up at some point. But I do not think this is the spot where they will do that. Celta Vigo is a bet-on team for me. They're a team who's run really unlucky thus far with their expected goals allowed. They've conceded 13 goals from less than nine expected. Vigo's a solid team. They're a top-half team in the league. Under three, I think their defense will be effective. Barca will be flat. Under. That's an interesting spot. Uh, maybe maybe set the Vigo on the money line. Yeah, a I looked bit. at Vigo plus one and a yeah. half, too. I might play both. All right, let's talk uh, Syria. Ah, because we have to. Uh, BJ, laying it with Torino? Yeah, kind of a cheap price here, I think, for Torino at home against Empoli. I mean, I thought, at least I thought, Torino would take a step back this season after, after losing Bremer and a couple other key pieces from that team that we all loved last year. But they've continued to be pretty good. I mean, they haven't even expected goal differential through eight matches, but, you know, four of them came against Lazio, Atalanta, Inter, and Napoli. The other four matches were against Monza, Lecce, Cremonese, and Sassuolo, and uh, they put up seven expected goals and only allowed 3.6. You know, Torino obviously plays this very slow possession-based style, whereas Empoli is 4-4-2, but they love to come out and try and press teams high, which leaves them very open and why they allow a lot of expected goals. They have the second most high turnovers in Serie A, but Torino is the third best team in Italy at playing through pressure, so I have no doubt they're just going to rip apart this Empoli defense uh, who has been pretty lackluster to begin the season like they were last year. Um, have Torino projected at minus 149. So I like the value at minus 125. Anthony, what, what do you have for us from your motherland? BJ and I disagree here. He's going to be on Verona. I'm going to be on gosh. Sour Nitana. Look, <laughs> I think our priors are wrong on Verona because you're basing off of last year's numbers. This team is so much worse than last year's. It's not even comparable. Kevin Lasagna is their primary goal scorer right now in terms of uh, at least primary shot getter. That's 30-year-old Kevin Lasagna. Uh, I have no idea how this team will continue to score for the rest of the season. I am very skeptical of this team. Uh, I think they're a prime fade candidate. Their last three away matches, 0.7 expected goals against Empoli, 0.3 against Lazio, 0.8 against Fiorentina. Then they came home, 0.3 against Udinese. They had one good home game against Sampdoria, who was also in the relegation battle. That was at home, though. Now they're going on the road. Also, you can even go back early in the year against Atalanta at home, a very weak Atalanta lineup. They took a lot of money, created less than one expected goal, 0.5. So this team just has no goal scores. I mean, look, they were lucky last year. They were a prime regression candidate. And then they lost the two dudes who were really good at finishing the chances and running really hot. I think they're really bad. And I think the market's not, uh, not quite caught up yet. So give me Sauronitana at home. I think they're... Uh, You'll uh, never, ever give comparable, me comparable team. Comparable team. Comparable team at home. Love it. League 1. BJ, what we got? How about Lorient on the road against Stade de Brest? Well, how about a third straight fade of uh, Brest? They've been... <laughs> They've been bad. Like they have been horrible. They've allowed 10 expected goals in their last six matches. Like they just played Auger over the weekend. Auger got a red card in the 50th minute and Brest still only created 0.6 expected goals. And Lorient, yeah, they've been overperforming, but they're riding a five match win streak coming into this thing. They've, you know, they haven't been good defensively, but I think the price is a little crazy. I mean, this Dada Brestball team is is one of the worst teams in France. So I think you're getting a, a good price here on, uh, on a red hot Lorient that drawn a bet at plus 120. All right, that wraps up our jaunt around the rest of the Big Five, our little European adventure there. Now we get to talk about our favorite underdogs for the week. As always, I will remind you, these bets are not for the faint of heart, but we will tell you what the odds would be if you put all three of these teams together in a three-leg parlay. BJ, back to France. Yeah, I'm just living in the uh, relegation zone of France, betting it. It's just been torture for me this season. But this Claremont foot team is annoying the living crap out of me. They have the fewest expected goals 
in league on and have allowed the most. They have a negative 10.2 expected goal differential. They are sitting in ninth place with four wins. I tried to fade them over this past league with the Joxio. It did not go well. They scored two bangers in the 90th minute. It was not fun. So I'm taking Auger plus 260 on the road at Clermont foot because there's no way in hell that they should be minus 105 against anybody in France. This team is taking the fewest shots of anybody in France and they've allowed the second most. This team is really, really bad. They lost their best striker from last season. They've just been overperforming like crazy. So yeah, I'm just going to keep trying to fade this Claremont foot team uh, until, until the end of the season until, or until I'm bankrupt. So Auger plus 260. Uh, a team that I've been regularly fading uh, to mixed results. West Ham, minus 138. They're hosting Fulham. Fulham, my favorite underdog, plus 375. That price might continue to tick up. Uh, as lineups come out, because Fulham is going through a little bit of an injury song and dance here. Uh, it's been a downward swing for the Cottagers. Uh, their defense is not very good. In fact, they're near the bottom or at the bottom in terms of non-penalty expected goals allowed at big chances allowed, but West Ham's offense, 19th in creating expected goals, 18th in creating big scoring chances. This game could turn into a little bit of a rock fight, and if that is how it plays out, you're going to be wanting to hold a plus 375 ticket on the Cottagers. Marco Silva and Fulham. They're my favorite underdog. Anthony, what's yours? Yeah, Leipzig's a better team than mine. But they're not a better team to the point where they should be this much of a road favorite. I like mine's plus 215 at home. Our boys from Germany, excellent at preventing big scoring chances. Should be able to find some success in defensive transition. Still have question marks about Leipzig. They're not dominating matches. BJ talked about this last week. Field tilt numbers a little bit concerning for Leipzig. And they have been prone to be flat in random games. We've seen it against Frankfurt. We've seen it against Gladbach. Could very well be flat here. Fulham, Auger, and Mines. Three-leg money line parlay. 53 to one. I feel really good about this one. This yeah, what a parlay. Is going to be the one that hits. You're going to want to be on it. And if it does, Anthony will send you a Philadelphia Phillies jersey. Uh, if you leave us a comment or something. All right, let's talk about our best bets in the Premier League now. BJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, I like Bournemouth Leicester under two and a half goals at plus 105. I really don't think this should, total should be sitting at plus money. Bournemouth against non-big six sides have created little over two expected goals on the season. Their matches against non-big six sides are only averaging 1.9 expected goals. They've created the fewest chances, big chance, scoring chances in the Premier League Leicester has created the second fewest in the Premier League. They've only created three on the season. And their matches against non-big six sides are only averaging 2.1 expected goals. Leicester is a big-time candidate for some unders here. Their matches have had 36 goals off of 20.3 expected. It's been a mixture of really bad goalkeeping and James Madison just making a ton of shots from outside the box, which really isn't that sustainable. Borum is going to sit in a low block, and I really have question marks if Lester's going to really be able to actually break down that low block that's actually been pretty good defensively. So under two and a half goals at plus 105 for me. My best bet is Everton. They're plus 275. And a quick reminder, you can follow our best bets and our underdogs in the Action Network app. Uh, the username is Wonder Goal Podcast. I like Everton because they're good. And I've been trying to tell you guys this for a long time, that Frank Lampard revolution just like the Bruno Lage revolution that I called, uh, it's going well. Everton have, are on a seven-match unbeaten streak. They haven't allowed more than a goal since their game against Aston Villa. That was the second game of the year. That is also the last time they lost a match. The United defense is the big key here. 16th in non-penalty expected goals allowed, 16th in shots per 90, and 12th in big scoring chances. And we've seen time and time again with this team and their personnel, they just can't break down teams that are going to sit back and do what to Manchester United, what Manchester United wants to do to them which is absorb and counter Frank Lampard and his toppies. They keep running up the table, man, man city's next. Look out. Here they come. Anthony, you're a real sicko for this one. What's your favorite bet? Brighton draw no bet plus one Oh two at home against Tottenham Hotspur. Look, I have said on this podcast for the last month now that I feel like Spurs are regressing a bit and I think now without Dejan Kulisevsky, you're starting to see the problem that they have. First of all, Brighton will have no problems with the Deserby system. They play well under pressure, but they're not even going to be pressed in this match. Spurs pressing indicators are pretty mediocre as, as, as well. They don't press from the front. They don't do a ton of, uh, of successful team pressing. And that means Brighton will have plenty of the ball. They'll be able to play through Spurs a little bit. 
they should actually control the flow of this match. And it's going to be heavily reliant on Spurs to create in transition, which they're comfortable doing, but without Kulisevsky, they really lack the playmaking ability. And I think that's a major concern here on the road. I like Brighton drawn a bet at home. I can't believe you're doing it. And that wraps up another episode of wonder goal for Anthony DeBundo. For BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Lepoff, wishing you the best of luck, and we will see you again Monday morning to talk about more Champions League soccer. Until then, best of luck. <laughs>